Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Inside Groove. I do believe this is the 55th Inside Groove, episode 55, if you will, since we brought it back last year. Uh, My name is Tom Baker, and I am happy to be your host once again this week. I really wasn't sure, to be honest, what I was going to do with this week's show. I had uh, some different opportunities And I thought, you know, uh, it may be a good opportunity to just kind of sit back with somebody, relax, and talk racing in a different sort of way without necessarily a one-to-one interview per se about somebody's story or whatever. And uh, before I could really figure out exactly who and how and and, uh, where I wanted to take the show this week, I ended up talking with uh, Larry Trinka about um, some things. He was uh, interested in a certain program, uh, Eagle program, old Eagle program, for a certain reason, and asked me if I had a copy of it, double of it, uh, that um, I could send over to him. And in the process of that, we got talking about why he wanted the program, and I said, well, this would make an interesting kind of themed show since we're getting close to classic and we don't know what the status is going to be of the classic as yet. We all think we know, but we don't know for sure. It's not official. Um, And we're all holding out some slim hope, I suppose that somehow uh, this could all happen. We, uh, we kind of sit and wait. So I thought, well, I still want to do some sort of a classic preview Um, but in lieu of that this week, this other situation came up. So Larry Trinka is going to be with us in a moment. Once again, Larry will be, uh, a repeat guest here. This will be his second time in the groove, if you will. And, um, Larry and I are going to talk about Steve Joya and his first feature win in 1975, which happened to coincide with the 25th anniversary night of the Oswego Speedway. And we're going to kind of deep dive into the win, into what that season was like, um, what was going on around it, um, you know, just all of that. And I'm sure plenty of talk about Steve and the cars that he's restoring, and um, not Steve, but Larry is restoring of Steve's. One he already has restored, and he's got that 75, 1975 car that's uh, in process. Um, so I'm sure there'll be a lot of conversation about that. But I uh, thought it would be just a bit of a trip down memory lane, if you will. So we're going to get to that, and uh, then I'll wrap up uh, the show with a little bit of a preview of what's going on at Lee, which will be happening almost in current time as the show debuts. So with that being said, I first want to say thank you to Jeff West and uh, all of his staff at IPC Indy, indieperformancecomposites.com. And I want to also say a special thank you to Sean Cathcart 
and his staff at Skip's Fish Fry. Best fish in the city of Oswego. Hands down, best fish in the city of Oswego. And also to JNS Paving, Rich Worth and the folks. Um, we've got uh, plenty of our guys in New England. Some are at Lee running with the big blocks and um, Mike Bruce and uh, several others of the uh, 350 division are all running with the uh, small blocks this weekend as well up there. So um, fun stuff going on, and uh, we'll get started with all of it right after this. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at Victor. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with the program. And joining us on the Strutmasters.com hotline is for the second time in this sort of new chapter in Inside Groove history, Larry Trinka. Uh, and uh, Larry joins, I think, uh, Jeff Abel and Shu uh, Tu as uh, the only returning guests that I can think of right off the top of my head. But Larry is certainly the first non-driver who is uh, returning to the show. And uh, I love that because uh, Larry and I are great friends and I appreciate his friendship dearly. And we have so much in common in the sense that, uh, like a lot of the rest of you who are listening, we're both uh, hopelessly addicted to super modifieds and especially the 70s. And Larry reached out to me the other day um because he was looking for a particular program and I'm not I don't know Larry if we if you want to go there exactly oh I guess we do cuz it's really the central theme of why we're doing this show um so I guess we could go there so he was looking for the program that um Gary Reichert is on the cover it's from 1975 um volume what did you tell me 12 number 15 I think was what it was and yes, it, it was the program that uh, came out the week after Steve Joya had won his first ever feature at uh, the Oswego Speedway, and it was the 25th anniversary night of the track. And so, um, obviously, we don't have a whole lot of racing to talk about on this particular show other than um, to preview the ISMA show uh, coming up at Lee this week, a weekend that we'll get to here a little later um, but you've seen that elsewhere. If you've been reading the uh, press and, and the articles that Camden has put out, uh, you kind of know what's going on with that, but we'll touch on it later. So I'm thinking as we get closer to Classic, and of course we're still unsure of whether or not, you know, we're going to have a Classic, frankly. Um, you know, I certainly don't want to, uh, I, I, I don't want to try to, try to guess but um we're cutting it close <laughs> if not i mean the uh the the uh no fans order is in effect till the 29th which is one week before the classic is scheduled to run so um i guess we'll have to see where that goes but one of the things i've been thinking about is i still want to kind of do a uh look back at previous classics and 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 kind of build up to that regardless uh and i've got an idea for classic weekend if the classic doesn't run, I have an idea, 
Um, I'm not going to tell you all what it is yet because I want to wait and see if I need need to put it into action first. But um, I, I have an idea to at least have something sort of special uh, for that weekend. But um, meanwhile, I thought it would be fun. Larry and I talked about uh, this particular program, and I got to thinking, well, that was a pretty big occasion, Steve winning, because, of course, Steve Sr. has been – uh, had been such a fixture at the track for so long in the family and and Steve jr had started driving a couple of years before that and um and, and this new car that he was running at the time was debuted that year in nineteen seventy five and it didn't it didn't take him too awful long to put the thing in victory lane and and larry uh I know that at the time you were helping Steve with some of the road shows that uh you would run um isma kind of shows out-of-town shows, but you were working with Gary Albritton, I guess, uh, at that time at Oswego, but still obviously great friends with the Joyas and all that. Um, And so I I guess I'm curious, first of all, we can start here. When Steve pulls into victory lane that night, and I mean, that was a, it was a great race. It really was. I remember that race. I remember the fact that Ronnie Wallace uh, was kind of the hot hand that year but there was so much competition and steve had just really come into his own when he finally pulls into victory lane what are you thinking well to tell you the truth ron uh, first off i want to thank you for having me back because i'm in i'm in good company with jeff a bold and Dave Schulich, jr and camden proud but uh to tell you the truth i was looking over the pictures from the program that you sent me and uh I really can't remember whether I was in the pits with Gary that night or if I was in the stands that night because I was only, like, working with Gary in, on the 75 part-time that year. Oh, okay. But uh, I, I do remember the uh, after party. <laughs> <laughs> There's always an after party, isn't there? Yeah, especially on the first your first win. Oh, yes. Uh, but uh, I think what brought this to the forefront was a, a gentleman by the name of Scott Hoyt put a picture on the Talking Super Modified Past and Present page, I believe, last Sunday. And it I was a picture, picture of yep. Steve's car from, I believe, Classic Weekend, 1975. I think you're right. And my friend Pat York from Indiana tagged me on the picture. So we went back and forth about that, and Steve Pryor was the one that brought up the uh, the fact that this coming Sunday would be the 9th of August, would be the 45th anniversary of Steve's first win. Which is why we I decided that this would be a fun time to put this show yeah, together. Exactly, yeah. yep. Oh, we went, Steve and I went back and forth about, you know, what year it was, and because of the numbers and the numbers that were on the car, which brought up the fact that he said something about being hand-painted. And I always remember Steve's sister, Kathy, telling me that even back then, she was using contact shelf paper to make the numbers on the cars. I mean, this was before the vinyl graphics ever came around. She stumbled on that, and uh, so she got into the conversation, and which dragged on and on and on, which was, it turned into a great thread on Facebook. It it really was. And uh, 
which brought up her asking me how I was coming along on the car. And I just told her, I said, well, early this spring, I said, I kind of doubted stuff was going to happen. And I would have really had to hustle to get the car done right. for to bring back for old timers. So I think it was like March or April. I just decided to really slow down and take my time and I'll work on getting it back for next year, which I pretty sure I'm pretty sure is doable. But uh, can't wait. I, I I remember Steve Pryor saying something about the graphic that was on the hood of the car that year, where it said "The Joya Chevy." Yes. And I remember on Steve's Graves car in 1997, Kathy had found the original template for that graphic and put it on the the body of that Graves car when it was red for just only a couple weeks. Yeah. And uh and I said I I thought she said she had it on a computer program, but I guess it was just a a cardboard graphic that she had made up and she got back to me and she said I know I've still got it. I just hope I can find it. Oh. <laughs> so I said, "Well, I'll give you till next year." Yeah. Well, she she got back to me later about a day or so later and she sent me a picture of it she still has it so oh, that's going to be on the car when awesome. that, when it gets done but uh yeah that was kind of a a neat way that that whole thread turned out it was just which brought me to the forefront of trying to find the program which i could have sworn i had and i i couldn't believe that i didn't have that program so i reached out do. to you it's just if you're anything like me uh you know you put put it over here or i i bring some to my office sometimes or <laughs> you'll find it eventually when you're not looking for it is probably well, what's going to happen and you and i <laughs> talked about throwing a post or throwing something out while we were talking today yes. about looking for it and i had asked mike tynan who purchased a bunch of programs from a guy in, in Canada earlier, I think late last year, earlier this year. Okay. And I asked him if he had it, and he said he didn't think so. And I just, first thing when I turned my phone on this morning, I got a message from him. He found it. Oh, good. So he's so that's, that's going to be on its way down to me here. Perfect. Hopefully next week. So, that, I mean, I've got the program from Steve's second win, which happened to be the week after. Yeah. But it was uh, it was just funny the way that whole thread, just a picture of the car and Steve Pryor and me going back and forth, and then Kathy getting in on it, and it was just it was fun to, to bring back all well, that that time period. This is really what, um, and I I love doing these shows, and and I always hope that the fans that are listening enjoy them too. It's really just about two guys sitting around talking about the good old days and remembering and and there seems to be this renaissance that's gone on over the last few years where it comes to obviously the restoration of of the some of these older cars and um so in in this particular situation it's funny you mention that graves car because i remember when that car was red and i always kind of look back and sort of try to visualize that car i loved it when 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 i saw it and it always seemed like that was almost like a um a a uh a foreshadow of the throwback scheme idea because i seem to remember that car resembling the the 75 joya car or the 70s joya car very closely in in layout am, am i wrong you know as a matter of fact 
I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember that year we, uh, Steve had tried some different body configurations and, and I believe Dave, I also was hounding him all the time about, you got to do this. You got to do that. <laughs> so I guess As Dave built the, that whole red body, he lowered the, the side panels down and yeah. made a bigger tail and things like that. But they put the, and, and when they wanted to do it back red, because the, I believe about that time earlier that year is when the Nestle sponsorship had gone away. So there, there wasn't a whole lot right. left to put on the car. So they just did it all red. Yeah. But Kathy had found that cutout graphic for the hood, so that went on the car. But if I remember right, that body only lasted a couple weeks. There aren't very many pictures of the car out there of with it with the red body. I think it got wrecked like the week before Classic. Okay. And it was wrecked, it was wrecked pretty bad. Okay. But Yeah, it's interesting cuz like I said when I I hadn't thought about that particular you know, uh, a livery. And when you mention it, now that I picture it in my mind's eye, it almost feels like it was a throwback before somebody invented throwbacks. Um, yeah. Like it went, you know, it was almost identical and I loved it. And look at thinking about that picture that Scott Hoyt posted, you know, one of the awesome things about those pictures is that in each of those pictures, there are a thousand stories. Like each of us, could look at that picture and it brings to mind different things based upon our memory and, and our, our, you know, perception of what, what that time or that day or whatever. And, um, I look at that picture and I kind of, for, I had kind of forgotten the, the particular color red. I mean, it was such a bright, brilliant red. I mean, that picture and it's a great shot. Um, and, and it's funny because you look next door and he's got, and, and Mike Rizzo was there. And if you look closely, it's almost like the cars were almost identical shades of red. Um, and, and it was, it, it just was, that's a, that's one of those really interesting shots to look at because you get a good profile of, of the car at that time. And I'm sure that probably, uh, has to be of some help to you as you're in the uh, restoration phase. Yeah, yes. Stuff like that. I mean, there, when I looked at that picture, being someone's, I believe it was someone's photograph, of, like a private fan from yeah. the, that was in the pits, I've been trying to find pictures of what the dashboard looked like. Okay. And that was one of the few pictures I've ever seen where you can actually see the down dash. into the cockpit of the car. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many little details that I, I mean, personally, I like to try and get correct. Of course, yeah. But, I mean, there's always, you're always looking for the original parts, or as many as you can, which, being a 45-year-old car, there aren't really too many original parts left. But I have been lucky that, was it last year, I believe, Steve got a hold of me, and he said, I found the original oil tank. Oh, Wow. And if you look at some of the pictures of the car, it was a it was an oil tank and it had like a a viewing eye in the side of it, so you could see the oil level. And it had a big red Kendall racing oil sticker on it. And when he when I went out to his house that day while I was home in New York, he he picked it up and handed it to me as I pulled in the driveway. I said, "Yep, that's it. You, you can tell right off the bat." Wow. And he just got a, just got a hold of me earlier this spring, 
and he asked me if I'd found a radiator. And I said, no, right now I'm just using a, you know, something to mock up to, right. to work around. And he goes, I found a couple old radiators from that car up in the attic of Dad's garage while they were cleaning it out. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's just amazing. I told it him, is I said, amazing. with the interest in restoring old supers, which to me there is a lot more than I ever knew. I said, if you are, you know, whatever Steve Miller hasn't gotten from the old Indy Roadster of theirs and some of the other old parts, I said, there's a big, there's big interest out there in just well, vintage parts. Yes. You're not going to be a millionaire selling them, but there is interest in, you know, you could make a couple of dollars doing it. And, uh, so he's, well, I have to keep that in mind. But when he got a hold of me this year about the radiator, so that's great. Cause that was just one thing I didn't know about. Sure. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, you know, so when we when we think about um, this night, I'm just going to, just for those listening, because I'm sure most people, even if they have the program, they probably haven't looked at it in years or whatever, but um, I'm going to read the uh, recap that was printed on page one about this race, um, just for everybody, and then we, it, that'll kind of create some conversation for us. So uh, headline, Steve Joya wins 25th anniversary feature, uh, victory lane shot and it says last saturday night's silver anniversary show at the oswego speedway was a fun festive and memorable night for both young and old as numerous old timers were honored throughout the evening now let's think about that all these years later now steve is an old timer right he was a, he was a young one then um, yep. young timer uh it, it was a young 22 year old super driving talent who really stole the show oswego steve joya jr in his second full season of super modified competition at oswego Mass Masterfully wheeled his Joya family roadster, number nine, to the biggest and most thrilling victory of his young career. The well-mannered speedster, who lives but just a few blocks from the speedway, was given the honor of cutting the huge anniversary cake immediately following his win. So there again, for those, again, not around at that time, they had a giant cake, and Steve got to, to make the first cut because he won the feature. Um, for his splendid performance in the 45-lap run, Joya earned a much-deserved $1,500 payoff. Norm Bacon displayed the green flag to start the grueling run with Scott Wilson, Canadian, and Jimmy Winks taking the early lead. Winks worked his way past Wilson and began opening a small lead over the remainder of the field. Now, Winks at that point was driving the former Austin Brothers 71 that he and um, one of the tow truck operators, I think his name was Robert Pirro, had purchased Lenny, 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 Pirro. Pirro, Lenny Pirro. Yeah, Lenny, you're right. Um, and it was he, he he numbered it 22. It was actually the 22 one because his dirt modify was 221. Um, and uh, Jimmy was he had won a lot of heats with with the car, but uh, uh, he was competitive, but he just had one of features. So he he began opening a small lead over the remainder of the field. On came Steve Joya in the number nine, and he began to cut into Wink's lead. Jimmy put up a good battle, but Joya was just running too good, and the number nine was out front and leading by lap 15. Once in front, he clicked off consistent laps of 18-3. Now, again, we, we look at the period, right? Um, the track record at that point um, was uh, not even 18-3. In fact, uh, in the four-wheel drive car that year, Freddie Graves went 18-247 in time trials for the Classic and broke the track record. So uh, Steve's running 18-3, which, of course, 
the 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 SPS cars are darn close to that. It, it's in some um, in some of their like their qualifying and, and such. Um, and the supers are almost three seconds faster. <laughs> um, he was never really seriously challenged for the rest of the evening. So Steve kind of pulled away. But here's the deal. Further back in the pack came some real quick-moving veterans. Now, again, those of you who um, go back to that era with Larry and I will will really remember a lot of this. Um, but, again, if you're, if you're younger, um, this is the level of competition we had. Um, Steve's pulling away. Ronnie Wallace doing a fantastic job like he's done all year long with a 76, made the right moves and moved into second spot, followed closely by, check this out, Nolan Swift, Norm Mackrath, Gary Albritton, Freddie Graves, and Johnny Spencer. Swift in the car that became Bentley's card table car the the uh, two to, uh, the next year, actually. Um, Norm Mackrath, the Bowie 5, the, which I don't know if he's running the Swift car or the... Uh, uh, Limblad car that night. Um, Gary Albritton in the Red 75 Ralph Packing car that you were a part-time uh, crew member of. And, <clears throat> excuse me, Freddie Graves in his own Roadster. That little white 38 car that I love so much that he built uh, for that year. And Johnny Spencer driving for Doug Duncan in the 07. That, those guys were battling, trying to, you know, get to second. Um, and, of course, uh, Joya pulling away. Um, and then... Um, Wallace never caught him. He got to within uh, 10 car lengths. That's about it. So Steve ends up winning. Ronnie finishes second. Let's see here. Um, where do we go? All Britain third. Uh, Swifty finished fourth. And Norm Mackrath was in the Limblad five. It says it here, finished fifth. Um, now, Jimmy Champagne, who had tangled with Jim Thompson earlier in the event, finished in sixth. Then it was, I'm going to read you the rest of the order here. And again, this is these. this is how much talent we had at that point how much competition there was jimmy wink seventh in the 22 freddie graves eighth eddie bellinger finished ninth johnny spencer 10th johnny logan in the keenan addy 35 11th gary reichert 12th in the the all super 78 um as opposed to the convertible chuck Sipprich in the tobin 21 scott wilson in the 27 which was the old old dates car not the one russ gray bought um, Brian Herb in the 11, Tommy Leeson in the 97, Denny Wheeler 96, Ron Graves in the 7, that's the old Buckner 36, Sammy Carista in that orange 37, I love that car too, Jimmy Thompson in the 18, Leon Weiske, the cowboy out of Michigan in the 51, and that was uh, a swift right chassis, um, Jim Gray in the double zero, which Jim would later go on to win a feature that year with uh, the Kenny Reese car. Jim Muldoon in the Shamrock 13, that car was still around. And Mike Rizzo in the 34 rounded out the field. Swifty, Wilson, and Winks won the heats. Uh, Bellinger and Champagne the semi. And check this out, Johnny Logan won the Concy. That's how much competition there was that year. That year, I still say, of all the years I've been going to a Swiggo, and with no disrespect meant to anyone in any other era, uh, I'm just saying that year I think was the most rock solid competitive uh, year of racing in Speedway history, and you still had all the different designs, Larry. And for Steve to end up winning that race and then go on the next week to win again, um, and then to finish second to your car that you were working on, Gary Albritton in the Classic. Um, really showed how far he had come in such a short time. Yeah, that was a 
you talk about 1975. You really had to be on your A game yes. to win a feature that year. Yep. There was, what, if I remember right, 11 different winners that year? I think so, something like 11 that. 11 or 12? Yeah, 8 or 9 at least. Yeah. Yeah. And and there was, what, 15, 18 shows maybe? So there was very few people that doubled up. Steve was one of them. Gary, Gary won a couple that year yep. in Classic. And it was it was just it was so competitive. Oh yeah, I mean Jim Gray, Fred Graves, Kemp Dates, of course Champagne won. Um, I mean there were just a bunch of guys. Wallace won a couple, including his first. Uh, mm-hmm. You know there were a number of first time feature winners that year, which they used to have. I don't know if they even still do it, but it was something called the Thousand Dollar Club. And I believe they they still do, do that. They? Yeah, yeah. You, so you know you get your first feature win and you join the Thousand Dollar Club. Um, and, uh, that year, I mean, we had, uh, again, I'm off the top of my head here. We had Jimmy Gray winning his first feature. Ronnie Wallace won his, uh, I want to say Kempton dates, but he might've been in 74. No, I think it was 75. I can't remember. Kemp either won in 74 or 75 for the first time. I can't remember. Uh, but he did win in 75. I just don't know if it was first. Um, Freddie Graves had won before, uh, gosh, uh, we had Jim Gray, Ron Wallace. Um, I know there were at least three, and I'm Steve, Gary, Steve, yeah, Steve, Albertan, oh yes, uh, Gary, yeah, that would have been his first yep. that year. Um, so you know we had five or six at least, and and of course the other relevance of this win that I that that I I I thought was unique is I believe, and again I'd have to double check, but this may have been because I don't remember if he won before Jimmy Gray or not. But um, but but whichever one of them won that year would have been the first, I believe, Oswego, New York feature winner. I, I you know, I, I was thinking of that earlier today. Yeah. And I did not have time to go through the programs right off the top of my head. I think Jim Gray won first. OK, but Steve was the first native Oswegonian. Well, that would have been true because Jimmy's a transplanted Jimmy Canadian. Jimmy was a transplanted yeah. Canadian. Yep. Yep. And, you know, and so when you look at what was going on that year, I mean, you know, I'm looking at Ivor the driver um, and, you know, this was always the gossip column. And as I as I get older here, I'm figuring out that Ivor didn't always get things right. But it was still fun when you were a kid to go back and look. And, of course, his predictions were always fun. Um, Stelter was looking for a ride that year because Ray Sand ended up uh, partnering with Buckner to run the 36. That was announced in this Ivor the Driver column. I love this stat, too. Um, Ivor says, there was no doubt about it, last Saturday night was Steve Joya's night. One, he drives car nine. Two, it was August 9th. Three, by winning, he became the ninth different feature winner of the year. So there you go. We had nine at that point. Four, he moved into ninth in points. Five, Frank Hudson of Channel 9 News presented the feature trophy. And six, the little car on the huge cake was numbered nine. Now, that's I knew a good there was stat. a lot of nines involved in that day. Some of those I didn't remember until you just, that's you, you just mentioned them. right there. Uh, yeah, Ever was on his game that week, old George. Um, and, you know, talking about Jack Conley possibly making a comeback, uh, and, uh, of course, the Miles uh, Barker 93, Baldy Baker, was driving it. They'd had a bad accident. We're off three weeks. We're expected to come back the night that this program or the weekend that this program was printed for. Um, Don McLaren was back ready to go after uh, 
uh, a bad uh, crash with the one car, the beautiful car that Nelson Powell had. And Jim Cheney had purchased the Johnny Casey 88, which was the former Cheney 19 um, that the Holinsky brothers owned, that he had driven to some wins and so many good runs. And um, Jim ended up racing that car for uh, the balance of the 75 season. And I remember he got seventh in the classic i mean there was just so much going on and so much competition and you still had uh obviously new england and ohio and michigan were all still big um super modified folks and uh, a lot of cars and um i mean you just look at the program and um i guess this program yeah the invitational which i used to love the 25 lap invitational was uh run the weekend this program came out too um but it uh, it was quite a year that year. I mean, gosh, that time period, so many veterans, so much going on, still a lot of um, car owners, which we don't have anymore. Um, back then, you had a lot of guys who just owned cars and had drivers drive them, and and that played so much of a part, Larry. Um, you know, in, 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 in Oswego history, even, you know, Ronnie Wallace comes to mind straight away because he won the championship that year in uh, the Rainer Town 76 car. So um, just a, an amazing year. But I, I want to know what's a, what, what went on at the after party. What can you tell us? That must have been quite the group. Oh, it was it was fun. Uh, I remember we'd all gotten together. We all had cake and somebody said, we got to go party. And so. Somebody went home, bought some beverages, and Mark <laughs> Tyler said, "It now if you know the Tylers live, if you head toward the city down East Albany Street, they were the very last house before you go over the Albany Street Bridge. Oh, okay. And it was a big old farmhouse, a big three-car garage, and a huge yard. So we all go down there. Mark says, we can get on there. We can do what we want. Mom and Dad are camping. Nobody's home. <laughs> so I mean, we had a, I mean, we had a good party. There was everybody had a good time. If you know where I'm going with uh-huh. that, Gary Albert is especially had a good time. Uh, but I won't get into that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, there's oh, a story that never remember, mind. I can't even remember what time it was. All of a sudden, we see a car pulling through the. Uh, I I guess it was the W T Grant the grant store still then through the back road coming through pulls into the driveway it's mr and mrs tyler they came home a day early oh boy <laughs> and uh <laughs> th- there was a lot of people down there but we i mean everything was cool we had a good time and if if anybody knew mr tyler he jumped right into the party with us so we had a good time with that but so uh did that go yeah, on that right was, straight that, to the next morning did you see sun yeah. up outside Oh man, we it was a good night. I know that. That's great. It was a lot of fun. A lot of people had fun that night and it, it, there's always something about someone's first win. It, it's Oh, it's great. I love yeah. seeing first-time winners and and even as a kid, I always um really like seeing first-time winners and I don't really know why at that time, I guess maybe just, you know, thinking it was so cool that somebody would be able to win for the first time. Yeah. And now, obviously I know what goes into the cars and into the, you know, the sport and so you understand all that came before and it sort of had to happen in order to get that first win and um Steve's career is kind of interesting in that sense. Uh you know, he he got his first win uh 
you know, just a couple of years into his driving career and had a lot of success in those early years, won the classic in, you know, his third year or so or fourth year of, of driving, third year, I guess. Um, and, you know, and, and then he was never able to win it again. And he, he, he always talks about that is, is, you know, you kind of look back and it's sort of, I'm glad we won it when we did, but at the same time, maybe too soon. Like, it, it just was interesting that, um, he was never able to get back to that, and it and it it shows you, I think, how doggone hard that race is to win. But I think it also is a testimony to the fact that um, I think everything is of a period. So I feel like the joy is when Steve had his greatest success was when his dad was there, and it was still the cost was still manageable enough so that everybody could sort of be on equal footing. The more it became specialized the more expensive it got you know drivers like steve that didn't have the sponsorship that the other drivers started to have or have the you know the funding or whatever you you it just gets harder and harder but you know steve had a really good um i feel like you know 10 15 you know year run or 20 years maybe even where he was really competitive and of course won the track championship i think in 85 um but was still running for wins, you know, right into uh, the 90s. Yep. Yeah, yes, he was. Uh, I was just, to me, it was. I was just very fortunate that I was able to be with them for the last oh, seven or eight years that he did race. That was something I'd look forward to all the years I worked on cars. That was something I wanted to do was go work with Steve and, and his crew, all those guys were real good friends of mine. Dave Ioso, Billy Samuels, who went on to be a very successful car owner in his yep. own right. Uh, Mark Tyler, Mike Murphy, Lenny Legault, Chuck Ronaldo. Those guys, they were together for years and years. And it, 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 I would just feel so lucky that they welcomed me to come in and work with them. It was just – what if you call it a career, but the amount of time I did work on the cars, I, I just felt very fortunate that they let me be part of that deal. That was, it was just a lot of fun. When did you, did you start working with them in 76? Just, no, just, I, I, most of the time I was with Steve out of town. Okay. Cause I was always with somebody else and they always had a full crew and I never really wanted to, you know, stick my nose where I didn't think it belonged. Right. Okay. So I was always, you know, I always managed to get hooked up with somebody else or somebody who would ask me to come and, you know, work with them that year. And, and it just, I think I've told you this story when we talked the last time that after Jack Tobin folded his operation, Dave, I also, and I, we were, we were working with Jack and his different drivers with yep. Gary and uh-huh. Jerry O'Neill and Ordway and Mike Ordway. Yes. And, uh, so we just said, well, let's go back and work with Steve. I said, well, he's got tire guys. He's got fuel guys. He's got this. I'll find something to do. And I just started to take tire notes and chassis notes and stuff, which, okay. to you know, that that seemed to really help them out. Steve asked, told me once, he goes, I just love being able to go back through all these notes. He says, it really helps a lot. Well, we never really did that much of that. Now I've got a dedicated person to do that, so. Yeah, that's that was my favorite. With the limited time I spent working on crews, that was always my favorite thing to do. I love the data, um, you know, and that was something I could do that you know I could understand and and 
um, you know, and, and be consistent with and, um, and contribute, you know, I was never, I'm not, I'm not a good mechanic. And so, you know, I'm not taking the rear end out of the car. So, you know, um, setting tire pressures and, and all that sort of thing and data, um, that was the way I could contribute. And, um, it's important. And I think, uh, of course now we have all the, the computer driven stuff that, uh, the big time racers use. Um, but uh, a lot of the short track teams are still doing written notes, and I'm thankful for that because it's it's good to see that uh, drivers still want to do that instead of investing in all the computer junk just for a, a dirt track car. That makes no sense to me, uh, <laughs> you know. Sure. But uh, no, that was I mean that that season, and it's fun to look back because when you just think of the personalities at the track at that time too, and. You know, it was such an accomplishment for somebody like Steve, and Eddie had already uh, won his first. Steve and Eddie kind of came in about the same time, and there was always this sort of Oswego versus Fulton rivalry thing that went, that was sort of um, like a, a, a subtext of everything that was going on. There was that sort of, you know, thing, and and, um, and, and Eddie had gotten the Grand Prix win, uh and and probably maybe had won another one by then. I'm not sure. I think he did. I think he won another one or two in 75. And Steve finally getting that first win was, you know, was uh, the first native Oswegonian, and, um, which really was surprising. But when you, when you think back, and it's a great history lesson for the newer folks that, that are um, a part of Oswego now um, to realize that the first fair number of years – when they were first converting over to the supers, uh, the out of towners were basically spanking everybody's butt, with the exception of maybe Swifty and you know one or two others um, for for a few years until you know some of the other guys like your Champines and your Gibsons and your Andrews and but it was the Midwest guys that first uh, were dominating. So the the to to imagine that it took until 1975 for somebody from Oswego to win a super modified race there. Um, almost defies belief, but um, but that's how it happened, and it was uh, that was a great win for Steve and, and for for his bunch, and and Steve Senior had put so much effort into uh, and so much time into the Speedway and and having cars there for other guys. Um, I mean that that just had to be a really really amazing moment for him to to win with his with his son. I, I don't think he lost that smile for a week. I bet. And then it came right back the following week when they won again. Yeah. And Mr. G was just such a, a laid back, easygoing guy. It was, it was so enjoyable to go. Well, at the time I was living across the street, and uh, that's how I got started going over there helping Steve put right. the, that, okay. this car together. And uh, but he he would. If if he knew you didn't know what was going on, he explained stuff to you, and it was just so enjoyable to go over there. It was just, you know, it was a lot of fun, and he was just. They were just such great. And Mrs. Joya, that that whole family was just amazing to be around. Just great it, people. Yep, great people. Uh, you know, and and that was. Uh, I mean, gosh, when when I when I think about it, actually, um, Steve, I think that second win that Steve got the week after, I think he beat Norm Macrath in the five. And I can remember Macrath chasing him down and they were, I mean, they were glued together basically. Um, and, and I'm pretty sure that was that night. And, uh, 
and 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 again the Bowies, you know, one of the the famous racing families and and they had run, you know, the old Swift car for a while and had gotten the Lindblad and and uh had some trouble kind of getting that dialed in and and you know, I I uh I remember that night thinking, you know, Norm's going to pass him and he never did and again an example of um you know, a veteran driver who couldn't he couldn't pass the young one. Steve at that time was, was kind of the young buck, him and Eddie, uh, I guess we should say. But you had Gary, and he had some other guys. But Steve was the hometown guy. And, you know, I think that really endeared him to the fan base. And, and he was so classy and such a nice guy. Uh, and the Joyas were such great people, still are, obviously. Um, and so, you know, it that that period of time, and then for him to win the Classic the next year, Good night. I mean, that was just an incredible. And then after the classic, to get to drive Jimmy's offset car for for before Jimmy did in competition, um, you know, he didn't win the championship with it, but uh, he's. I'm sure that it planted some seeds for when they built their offset. And so for a couple of years there, boy, Steve got to do a lot of really amazing check off a lot of really amazing boxes. Yes, he did. I, I was later in 1976. I had hooked up with Kevin Lyons when Kevin bought the Buckner car yep. from Ronnie, Ronnie Graves. Graves. Yeah, yep. And he had never raced anything before, so there was quite a few weeks where we didn't make the features. We were always parked right next to the Joyas, so we'd go over and you know hang around with them. And I'll, I'll never forget that night that when when Steve wrecked his car. And he was going for the track championship with, with Jim Champagne. Yeah. Jim came down. And he said, "If you want to run my new car, all you got to do is you got to bring your crew and your your wheels and tires." And he said, "You you're more than welcome to the car because I don't want to win the track championship like this with you sitting on the sidelines." And so they you know they did their thing and put the car together and Steve went out and ran ran it. Yep. Yeah. And when he came back in after the race, he walked back down to his pit, and he goes, oh, he said, we're all going to be running for second. He said, that car is just amazing. And this was, it wasn't even proven yet. And like you said, Jim hadn't even run it in competition yet. No, and it showed the class that Jimmy had to make oh, yes. that offer. And, I, I, and, and again, if you're listening to this show um, and you want to hear Steve's uh, recounting of that, that story in that period go back just just go back uh to um i in fact you know what i'll do is i'll go ahead and i'm gonna post i'll post this show obviously is the new show for the week and then um maybe on sunday or so um or or sometime tomorrow to space it out a bit i'll i'll go ahead and repost the steve joya interview um from uh last year that we did and and you'll i mean just to hear him tell that and i remember that that jimmy had offered to give him, I think thirty percent or whatever, what what he made with the car, and Steve, it's like no, and he's like I can't take that. But I mean, just Steve talking about what an amazing opportunity that was, and how much he learned from that. But it just showed it showed the class that Jimmy had to make that offer, and of course, um, you know, it just had to be amazing for Steve to get in that car. Uh, and and again, it showed what what Jimmy thought of Steve too, because he wouldn't have put just anybody in that car, you know. Oh, that's for that's for sure. So you know that was the respect level that Steve had. So and 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 you know it's interesting. You talk about 
Kevin, and and how you guys didn't make the feature for a little while while he was kind of getting used to things. You know, that's another thing that, um, again, I think newer fans don't don't realize that there. I mean, there used to be forty cars a night. It, it, you know, sometimes more, and you know, you'd send five, ten, fifteen guys home. Um, so you didn't come in as a rookie and just kind of buy your way to the top very easily at that point you had to earn it and you had to build your skill set and kevin i think developed into a really um a really good driver but he again um it started to get more costly and you have a daughter that wants to be an olympian and um, you know so i mean there were just it just never um but and, and in fact i can remember him running the that that joy a backup car uh uh, a couple of times, uh, a few years later, when Steve had the newer one, I can remember him running uh, the 99 a couple times uh, in Concies. I think it was 79 um, that uh, Steve let him run the car when, you know, something would happen to the 19 or maybe it wasn't at the track or whatever. Uh, but I think 79 is right because yeah. that's the year Joe goes to Granite once or twice. Actually, too. that was 80. Joe and Donnie drove it in 80. 79, I, I remember um, Kevin. Oh, was it 80 yeah, for Joe? 1980. I remember Kevin um, getting in it because it had the, the, the and this, because I love this body the most, it had the, it had the, the body with sort of the fins on the tail, um, you know, uh, and that was the year Jim Cheney drove it in the Classic. Um, and uh, Kevin had run it a couple of times, but they had a, they, that was the year Steve, Steve was still, they were still playing with the body or whatever on it. And maybe he had run it like that the year before, now that I think about it, maybe in 78. But um, yeah, it had a different look to it. And I always loved that look. And then they put the older tail back on it for the Classic um for 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 Cheney. um but yeah i think it was 79 that kevin uh i have the program i'll have to go look it up i'm pretty sure it was 79. well you're you're right about the tail because yeah. the i've got the original fuel cell and tank and what steve did that one year when he wanted to create some more rear downforce he cut the can took about i don't know six or eight inches off the top of the can and squished the fuel cell down, and then when he wanted to run the full fuel cell, we bolted the other piece back on top, and that's the same can that I've got with the car. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah. that would be why they had the, the, he went back to the other tail yep. for the classic. Yep. Okay, yeah. Because yep. I always save the expense of buying a new bladder too. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So you know, it was just yeah. The, again, everybody was fun uh, every year because everybody would come out with a slightly different body, a slightly different look, a slightly different color. It just it it was magic back in those days. It really was. Um, and and I think seventy five was was I would argue seventy five and maybe seventy six were the apogee. Um, you know, before of course you know seventy seven was when Jimmy. Brown out the offset out and then you know that kind of started that whole revolution so 75 and 76 were i i think the last two years where you know it um it was still very much up for grabs and you had so many different designs and um so yeah that was uh thinking about thinking about that year and 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 what steve accomplished and, and how quickly his star rose uh it's pretty amazing honestly well if you think back 75 76 people were getting away from the old indie roadsters 
they were yep. getting old and tired. Yep. People were somewhat copying them or make, they were building their own frames using some ideas from those. Yep. And some ideas, a lot of the, a lot of the ideas came from Jimmy Champagne's wedge car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and sure. everybody was taking and putting their own spin on what the car should be. Yeah. In fact, when I, not long after I got this older car, Steve's, I was talking to him one day. I said, well, how much of a copy of your dad's old Curtis Roadster with this? And he goes, not much. He said, there's very few things that I used. The basic idea is the same, but I, I changed a lot of, you know, cross members and bracing and stuff like that. But to see the difference in the two cars of his I've got, it, it it's amazing. Oh, of course, <laughs> you could tell when he built this one in seventy four to seventy five, the uh, emphasis was on safety, not not uh, saving weight. Right, naturally, right, yeah. Well, sure, yeah. They, they were still very heavy cars, but I think I remember him saying in a program that year um, that uh, that the car that you have that he won with was um, a little bit smaller and lighter than the. <laughs> Than the the Curtis the the Indy yes. Roadster, so yes. so you can imagine how heavy those were. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think about it. It's well, uh, there's a big difference between this car from '75 and the 1990 car that I've got. Oh, of course. Well, oh. you know the the amount. There's no of, comparison. <laughs> yeah, the amount of uh, knowledge, and and that's what's really cool. I think for us. Uh, uh, us experienced folk who were <laughs> around back then, um, you know, our, the veterans that we are. Um, oh, you can go ahead and say it, older people. Uh, no, because I'm not. I mean, I, I, I well, me anyway. Some days I, you know, I'm going to be 53. Some days I feel 50, and some days I feel uh, 75. And you know, it just, uh, but it. So I, I'm not ready to be old yet. But um, the, those of us who are we, to see all of that transition into, and I'm not much much of a gearhead so a lot of the i enjoy somebody for example you have you have two cars from different eras right so i enjoy just kind of being able to um be there and have somebody like yourself saying okay notice how on this car this was blah 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 and look at it over here look at how much you know and in it, it it i enjoy learning about all that stuff because it's not it's not um kind of my wheelhouse but it's it's amazing how far we've come in so many ways in the sport yet obviously with a lot of that technology came you know more costs too which oh, made yeah. it harder yep. to you know so it's kind of one of those deals but yeah you're right uh but that car i remember when steve brought it out in 75 that car was um it almost it seems to me like he was fairly good with it almost out of the box i mean i don't think he was up front running for wins for a bit but it seemed like he got pretty fast pretty quick with that car i i Really don't. I can't remember that well with you know yeah. exactly what they were doing. You know, I, I like I said, if I wasn't in the stands, I was working with Gary on the seventy-five. Well, which and, I wasn't doing a whole lot. It was like go for this and go for that, oh. and <laughs> go get us some fuel and you know stuff like that. But because well, I was a raw rookie in the pits, I had very rarely even touched a race car before that so well you you picked a good one to to be a raw rookie with because it won classic that year so you can say hey, yeah. i won the classic my first year working on a car uh oh, first first race i ever worked with gary was at fulton that year 
Oh, wow. Yeah. See, there's another and whole thing. I love first, first, first time crew member, first time win. I just, wow. Hey, this is fun. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> yeah, see how easy that was? Yeah. I'm a genius now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dear IndyCar team, hire me. Uh, now, I used to love seeing, I love seeing pictures from Fulton, and I remember going there. I went there a number of times. My parents couldn't take me all the time, but we went up, you know, probably five or six times over the years. And, and I, I just, I, I love it as dirt, but I loved it way more as a paved track. And the Supers at Fulton just put on a fantastic show. Um, and so I love going back and seeing photos from when they used to run there on, you know, Sundays. Um, I love day racing anyway. I always have. And, th- and that always used to be, you know, a Sunday afternoon thing, at least for a while. Uh, running Sunday night on top of Saturday night made for a, a busy weekend. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, sure, but you know it's funny because you know I I remember even back in those days it seemed like people were saying, you know, we need more shows for the supers, more places to race. Well, you know, there's an easy you got a back to back, but it's only 15 minutes up the road or whatever, so it's an easy thing to do, and yet it's not really easy because you still have to prepare the car, and I'm sure the setup was different even back then with a wing um and so i'm sure it was still a lot of work but uh you know that was a i i once fulton stopped running supers it seemed like from that point forward um was when the class started to a a very slow i mean you you had numbers of isma shows obviously but then it started you know, somewhere in there, somebody got the idea that Isma should do its own thing and, you know, whatever. But I, it was such a nice deal to have a Saturday-Sunday kind of thing going on where you could run them twice and not feel like you had to, you know, go out of town more than, you know, s- s- half a dozen other times during the year or whatever they used to do. Because um, it kind of made each of those races more special, I feel like, too. And it wasn't so hard back then to, to travel around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, fun stuff. That was, um, you know, just a a fun look back at. uh, And and I again, those of you who listen to the show, obviously, if if this is interesting to you, let us know, because I'll I'm happy to to do more of these shows where we take a program and and kind of talk about what was going on in that moment. Um, and, And certainly Larry is a guy. Mike Silliman is a guy. There are probably a number of guys who have enough of the programs that we could, you know, we could just pick one and, and both study and then come and have some fun. Um, but, you know, there's just not enough, not much going on currently. Uh, so it's an opportunity for us to look back and enjoy uh, kind of a where are they now or what was going on. And, and uh, this just sort of fell in our laps uh, with Larry and I because uh, Larry was looking for um that particular program so it just became a great idea since it was going to be the 45th anniversary gosh i i'm sure that makes steve feel real old uh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that subject was uh, approached in in the thread on that of the okay. picture of the car but one reason another reason i wanted to do something because i i was going to put something on facebook sunday please do commemorating the 45th anniversary just to make everybody feel old. Eric (laughs) Kingsley had gotten it. He asked me a comment or asked a comment. He goes, how about some pictures of the car? the way it sits, which is one thing I was planning on doing. I've got a a couple pictures of it. I mean, it's just in the garage. It's on wheels, but it's just got a cardboard body on it. Like, well, like you saw that day when you were at Uh Miles. Yep. But uh, just to, you know, 
I, I kind of wish I'd have had more time to work on it this summer, but there's having limited resources, a lot of stuff I have to farm out. And the guy that does a lot of work for me, he builds dirt late models in our area. Right. So this time of year is busy for him, and I don't like to bother him because he's been way too good to me. And so I, and then, like I said, with, with the, the current conditions in the area here in New York, I didn't want to push the, no, you know, push uh, the envelope to try and get it done too quick. So now I can take my time. I'll get back at it here. I've been on and off a little bit. We get a rainy day. I'll spend the day in the garage, but I, you know, I want to, you know, be able to come fall when things slow down and winter when I don't have to mow the lawn take my time and get back, get the body built. And cause there's still some parts I've, I've got to try and locate. I thought I had one and I may still have, I just haven't heard back from the people yet, but uh, just some parts I need that aren't visible, do you, but I still need them. And that's me. Do, do you have <laughs> I, a, do you have a list that, uh, um, that we could post, that we could share, so maybe folks can see it and say, hey, well, I the can one, get the this The one part that? that I thought I had, and I still may, but I, I do need a torque tube. Okay. So those and, Which listening. is something I didn't know until last fall when I, I had to, I finally got the thing to where it was, I was able to roll it. Okay. Get it on wheels. My wife and I rolled it out into the driveway, and I couldn't figure out why the rear end kept rolling forward. <laughs> well, there's no torque arm on these older cars like there is on the newer one that I've got. Oh, okay. It's the torque tube where the little drive shaft goes up out of the in and out box into the rear end. And I got thinking, why is this doing this? So, no torque arm. You need a torque tube. So, yeah, I've been on the look for one of them. I thought I had one, and I may still have, but... Is I, that... you know, and then naturally, like I've told you before, all the good stuff is in New York. I can't even go to New York now. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, that's so, right. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of parts up there. I'm I'm trying to round up. So if I ever do get up there, I'm going to need to you know make sure I got my truck empty because yeah. I've got to come back with a lot of stuff. But, but now which the, is the torque tube is the that, course is the torque tube of a, the period. In other words, is there a particular torque tube that that you're looking for? that i'm i'm not really sure i i okay i know it needs the bolt to a hellebrand rear end okay but i've got one piece the small piece that bolts onto the uh in and out box which i have okay but i need the two pieces that come off the rear end and go into the the smaller piece into the in and out box i mean i'm just looking it's not you know it's not like i'm coming back up next week no, but so I again, need to if get, anyone I need to has find these parts one, now, but. yeah, you can. You, if anyone has one yeah. uh, that's listening to this show, or if you, if anyone knows somebody who might have one, um, we're tr- obviously we're trying to track this down. Um, and I, and I know everybody goes through this to a degree who's restoring these cars because again, there are a lot of uh, parts and whatever that aren't made anymore. Maybe they had to be machined even back then, and you got to. Um, and and so I think. You know, kept the dates went through that uh, to to a degree with uh, the restoration of the Red Creek Rocket that he won the championship with, and um, you know, of course, as we mentioned before, that 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 car was scheduled 
to um, to make its uh, debut at Old Timers Night this year, which uh, would have been, I think, actually this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's obviously not going to happen now. So uh, that car will make its debut at some point next year. And the the book on Kempton uh, that um, his family is putting together is also uh, well in progress and uh, I think will will uh, come out next year as well. So um, uh, I can't wait to read that. That's going to uh, be a good one. It's going to uh. be amazing. I, I've seen a lot of the ingredients. I'm sure I haven't seen nearly all of them, but, um, you know, I got to go through uh, a lot of uh, the scrapbooks and, and such that Faye had, had kept and just some, some of the photos and all of that and things that I – it's funny because – and I'll give you a quick example. Um, I had no idea that Kemp had ever driven – um, a rear engine car, and it turns out he did. He ran Warren Schoberlein's car to race at Shangri-La. Um, and I never knew that, but there's there was a picture uh, in one of the books of him in that car. Uh, and then I actually found the program where I think it was either Ferlito or Bill Foley, whoever was writing for the program at that time, was talking about that race and mentioned Kemp driving that car. And I said, wow, okay, it was Shangri-La. Um, and it's just those little things that fascinate me. Probably half the the listeners don't care, but if it, it, it's it's a little small part of of you know Kemp's career or whatever that. So I I think you're going to see a lot of things in in that book that probably a lot of people have either forgotten or just didn't know. Uh, because Faye was so meticulous about um keeping stats and and you know photos and all kinds of stuff at pit passes just amazing i can't wait it's a scrapbook kind of idea is what it is but but uh uh it'll also be sort of kemp's career told in stories um and uh i i was very humbled to be able to write the forward for the book and so um you know i know there are going to be a lot of drivers contributing their own stories and such it's going to be an amazing book when it comes out so yeah oh, I- you know, I can't wait to see it. That'll be fun. I I, I was always disappointed. I'm disappointed that it that it can't happen this year, but I understand why. And I, much like with you, I'd rather. I'm all about these things being right. You know, you want to make them right. You don't want to rush them. You want them to be right. Yep. It's like I'm just dying for Jimmy's rear engine car to be done. You know, and Jim Paternoster. I know Jim. I've known him a long time, and. You know, again, it, it, I'm sure there are a ton of little parts or whatever that had to be either made or sourced or, you know, and so um, I know when Jim finally gets that car done, it's going to be amazing. So, well, you it, know. thank you for mentioning his name, because I, I was going to try and work that in. He was he was a lifesaver for me here earlier this spring. I had a torsion stop strip on me. And I was dead in the water for a while. I tried two or three of these older vintage sprint car, Indy car, super modified guys. Nobody had a torsion stop like what I needed. Jimmy came through for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. He said, this thing's been laying around my shop for years. I'll send it down. So, I mean, I got to give him a shout out for that because that's it's exactly what I needed. and, And I was going to be dead in the water because it was. I would have really had to jerry rig something to keep that one corner of the car up in the air until I could find one, which wasn't going to make me happy because right. I'm a stickler as much as I can for original stuff or period correct 
yeah, things to make it. So, yeah, to make it that. Yeah, and but you, I'm I'm nowhere near the caliber of Jimmy when it comes to restoring a race car. He's head and shoulders above anything I could do. Jimmy's amazing. He's got he's got a complete shop. Yeah, where, and he's got the capability to do things that I can't. Right. Exactly. I, I, well, it's. You know, again, it's a gift, and Jimmy's been around forever and, uh, you know, did a little bit of racing himself, but he has helped so many people in in, in Oswego over the years. Uh, Supers owns Small Blocks Limiteds uh, for a while and, and just, you know, has been, he's been a part of a lot of people's uh racing efforts uh for a long time up there. And so, yeah, nothing but respect for Jim and, and thankful that, uh, that um he's doing this this restoration of jimmy's ranch but yeah i mean it's great you've got you've got uh, all these people that are um gosh i think uh, well, well martell's have i think martell's have jimmy's last car um yep. the 89 you've got um i know uh pat york i think still has some cars doesn't no pat not pat he's, york. he got he rid of the yeah. super okay he oh he did the, oh he okay. sold the all britain richmond car a few years ago it's in a uh, World of Speed Museum in Oregon. Oregon, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, Steve see, Miller. Well, I mean, there's a there's bunch. A, you know. Randy Mapus has a has a couple at the Fremont, Ohio uh, Hall of Fame there. Oh wow. There's a, and there's just it's amazing the amount. And the farther along I got into doing my first car, the more and more interest I found that there is in these things, yeah. and that's which is is blew me away because I just had no idea. I only got my first car from Ravals because it was just sitting in an old one of his dad's old trailers behind his house. Sure. And uh, I said, "What are you going to do with the car?" He's, "Why you want it?" I said, "Well, I hate to see it just sit there and rot away to nothing." And me being the stickler that I am, I got the car, brought it home. All I got was a frame Oil tanks, couple oil tanks, front axle, some hubs, yep. and yep. odds and ends like that out of his uh, storage warehouse, and I traced down the original rear ends that that came with the car from wow. Steve to Brian Sweeney to Craig, and uh, I wound up going all the way back to Toronto later that summer to buy one of them. Wow! So just just to make sure because their eighteen inch offset rear axles were and rear ends were you know, fairly common, but if I tracked it down, I wanted one of the original rear ends, and the one thing I kicked myself for is not buying both of them. Oh, yeah, Because I right. could have turned around yeah. and had either had a spare or sold the other one to somebody, and I, I've kind of lost track of the guy that had it. Now I know who he is, but for me to have to go back up that way is yeah, out of the question. But, yeah, um, but, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's amazing. The, the, and of course the detail, if you want to do it right, it just takes a while. And that's, uh, I think somebody, somebody has the old Oh four, uh, uh, that, uh, Jim Cheney drove and Conium, the newer, um, the, the last non offset car from yep. well, that thing's kicked around to a few that that's changed hands almost as many times as my older Joya car has. Oh, no kidding. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's been through that four, now. five, six different people. So I hope that they're oh, going to restore and that. There, there's, a, there's a gentleman in Connecticut that earlier, just a couple months ago, got his hands on the Buckner, the last Buckner Cyprich Super. Oh, the one that was the real, real long wheelbase car with the engine that tipped yeah. to the right. 1980 Yeah, he car. found that. He found that up in 
New England someplace, and he got his hands on an older Graves chassis that he's been trying to uh, track down the lineage to that one too. Okay, wow, so, that's awesome. Oh, this guy, this guy's got race cars up the wazoo. Well, it's he's, it... he's, he's got a whole bunch of old modifieds. He's redoing right now one of Len Bowler's. Old blue number threes. Oh. Uh, I think the one with the Cavalier body on it. Love it's it. a newer one, but yeah. it's still one of Bowler's cars. Yeah, 1980. Uh, Richard Belmont, I believe his name is. Okay. Find yeah. him on Facebook. He's He's got some nice stuff. That's he's great. even looking for parts and, you know, trying to track down the lineage to this Graves car and the the Buckner car he's got. It's, uh, it, it, it's, there's, it's amazing the amount of... Uh, interest there is in these well and and that's see i love it because again it, it, it you know it's important i think the super modified division is a division that's had a lot of history to it it's a division that's had a lot of depth to it over the years so many drivers have been in supers and gone on to race other things quite successfully um you know the family lineage uh through you know the whole of super modified racing a lot of generational um, and obviously the cars themselves have changed over the years so much. And so um, I think it's it's great that we can, there's really not, you know, you don't have a super modified Hall of Fame. Um, you know, I wish uh, I wish I could just hit, hit Powerball because I would start one. Um, but you, you and a lot of people, Tom. You know, exactly. Um, you know, and that's why I think those of us who who value the history you know, I, I love that all you guys are redoing the cars. You know, I can help with, with you know, b- keeping it alive on this show. Um, you know, you've got, obviously, uh, you know, many people who are who have given their time and effort in, their, in, in to help the restoration of these cars. Um, you know, you just, you don't want to lose all of that because, um, you know, I don't think, I don't think the, the racing world as a whole, it today really understands um you know it's funny i've talked to a, a a few people over the last couple of weeks um you know families that have younger drivers coming up in the sport or whatever and and you know you see them at a racetrack or whatever and it's like how's it going and you start you know well do you know what a super modified is yeah i've seen those on tv um aren't they the cars with the wings it's like yeah well th- so they 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 kind of know but of course they have no idea of all of this history that we talk about um and i think that's kind of a shame and now that we're not doing a program anymore at the speedway you don't have that weekly documentation and in photos and all of that um so you know i think to to it, again for me, um, to sit and do this and, and kind of go back and talk about different drivers, different situations, different, it brings that all back alive again. And if it inspires somebody to to, to, to go find a, a car and restore it, well, that's amazing, right? That's, well, we need I, all. I have to say, I've got to thank you so much for this because it, it's it's been fun being having the privilege to do this show with you a second time now and even the first time. But it, it just keeps me connected yeah. to the speedway. Well, that's what we're and all trying to do, especially this year. It just makes the week, okay, I got to go sit on the front porch and and, and listen to Tom, you know, and it doesn't <laughs> matter who you've got. It, it's the connection. Well, you know, that's about the, the thing. Supers and, you know, 
I, I've kind of gotten to the point in my career at doing all this racing stuff that I've been blessed to do for all this time where um, I do it because it entertains me, but I also hope, obviously, that it entertains somebody else too, right? It's kind of like, you know, this is my golf game. And, yep. um, and, and you know, it's always great to know that somebody else is as excited about it as I am because that's, that's, that's the well, whole point. Well, even if you don't have anybody else, you've got me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, yeah, we, we, I, 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 I need a, I need a co-host because Camden is out of the country right now, and he's over in Norway or wherever, and and having he's a still great there? time. Yeah, he's still there, as far as I know. Yeah, he. He's, wow. You know, well, you got a girlfriend over there, see, and you're you're 21 and 22, whatever he is, and you got a, see, you got, so yeah, he can he can work from over there. A lot of his work is social media related and online and whatever. So good for him. He's having a good time. He's like. I told him, man, you know, it's like ain't nothing for you to come back here for. We're we're a mess over here, um, you know. So uh, <laughs> no, it's fun just to to sit and talk uh, talk supers and talk the old days. And and yeah, I, I would love to see. Um, I'd love for other people to get a chance to see what you you know see the car because again, I mean, I I could stare at that car all day because it it's it's just it's a time machine for me. And I, I'm sure a lot of other people would appreciate that as well, um, you know. And and so uh, we'll look forward to that post on Sunday, and I'll uh, I'll reshare the the Joya interview show as well for for all of you. Um, if you missed it, uh, I want to start going back and re re uh, uh, resharing some of the archive shows anyway. Um, and you can get them all if you go to Race Chaser Radio; they're all there. Uh, in fact, we. I actually had a separate uh, have it still SoundCloud page for Inside Groove. I I stopped um I stopped loading the shows, the newer shows onto that page uh a while back just because again I only have so much time and and um people seem to like hearing different shows of of mine that that we produce. So I'm just going to put them all in one place, but um you know they're there and if somebody if somebody wants to uh to hear a particular interview again or whatever, just let me know in the message and I'll I'll send you the link for it. It's not hard to just go copy and paste the link so you can get it. And I'll start putting out some of the archive shows again for everybody because we've we've built a nice audience and a lot of people probably weren't around um, for us in the earlier shows. So we'll we'll start. I'll start putting them back out uh, just kind of randomly uh, midweek or whatever, um, off and on. You know, just recurring so people can uh, get a listen to them again. But yeah, this has been fun, Larry. I I. I enjoyed it very much and um obviously appreciate you so much for for the time that you put in to restore uh the joya cars and keep the name alive um you know steve uh, and the joya family were um i consider one of the founding families and they were the you know one of the the first major ones if not the first major family from oswego to to make that kind of an impact i can't think of another um in terms of um you know a team um certainly the carusos but um, you know, they, well, they built the place, right? The Crusades weren't far behind. Well, that's true. Yes, you had. You, I forget. Yeah, again, you. This yep. is why Mar- it's good. Marty I have was you there guys, from real yeah. early, and yep. You're right. he was up until I think sixty-five or sixty-six with cars. Yep, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I think Steve. I think the Joyas may have been the longest tenured. Um, you know, for as far as the number of years they were 
uh, active with a car uh, between Steve Senior's time and, and then, of course, you know, uh, Steve Jr. carrying on and Steve and Steven, um, you know, all that time they they've been around and they're still <laughs> they're still involved. So, yep. um, you know, and that's great. I, I just love seeing that. And, um, you know, obviously over the years, more and more locals got got into it. Um, and uh, yeah, just a. What a period it was. Seventy, the seventies were a great time, and seventy-five was a magic year. And it's fun to, I think, to go back and and relive some of that year. So, um, you know, wish you the best, Larry. Obviously, continue good health, and and uh, uh, look forward to seeing what you post on Sunday, and also to your continued progress on the Joya Chevy, uh, so we can get that thing ready, and maybe we can debut the rocket, the Joya car, uh, in twenty twenty-one, and um, life can be uh back to normal again hopefully nope. that's the plan right now i we'll see what happens i hope so well uh again appreciate all your time larry and we'll do this again down the road uh that is larry trinket this of course is inside groove we're going to step aside when we come back we'll talk about 55 because this is the uh 55th show um that we've done since we brought it back it's uh, number 55 and we know a uh, pretty famous canadian who ran that number we'll talk about who else actually you know what i'm gonna stop myself in mid mid outro here because i got larry trinkle with me so let's let's do this together here 55 larry kenny andrews paul Jim, reitman jimmy brown jimmy brown paul reitman um all, all canadians yeah um, I'm trying to think. Well, Dave Morton in in the Reichman car one time. Um, I tried. Jerry to... Jerry O'Neill ran it one night. F- did he? Paul's did he, Paul's he, Graves car. Yes. Did he? Okay, fifty five. So Jerry. Um, of course now it's Keith Champagne. He's the current iteration yep. of the fifty five. Who who are we missing? Anybody? Any fifty fives? Mm. Going once. Uh, I'm I'm kind of lost. Okay, um, so there's your there's your list of fifty fives. If you can uh, if you can add to that list, um, please feel free to do that in the comments wherever you're listening to the show. Um, I know Robert Metcalf's always busy. He likes to uh, he likes to come up with uh, the 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 beat the host, and he he's starting to do it on a fairly regular basis, which is awesome. I love it. Um, but, but I know I know unless you dig something up, we've already talked to you, so you and I are both out. Uh, okay. So uh, let's see who else can um, can can add to that list. But uh, there's a few for you. Um, all right, we're gonna take a break, and then uh, I'll close this thing up. Uh, we'll be back with more of the inside groove right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we finish up 
this program for another week. We actually have some racing to talk about. Lee Speedway is hosting the Ali Silva Midsummer Isma Classic this weekend. It's the 20th annual event. It is actually taking place tonight. And uh, again, if you haven't been paying attention to the roster, uh, you'll get all the big names from Isma. You got Russ Wood, you got Pearlie, you got John McKennedy, you got Mike Ordway Jr. Uh, you're going to have Otto Sitterly taking back over the controls of the seven from Smoke Johnson, who drove it at the uh, Sandusky High Miler Classic. <laughs> you've got uh, Bose, you've got Jeff Abold, you've got uh, Ben Seitz in the Sewell Racing 32 Brandon Bellinger scheduled to race. Um, I think uh, one of the locks uh, going to be in action. I think that I'm not sure if um, I'm not sure which one, but uh, one of them will be in action. You got Dave Danzer um, in the 52 going to run. Um, Jeffrey Battle going to race. Bobby Timmons, the third, making his debut in the big blocks with the family number 13. Um, I had heard Joe Gozik was going, but I can't confirm that. So we'll just leave that as a question mark. But uh, Isma finally going to get their uh, season underway in New England um, with uh, the Midsummer Isma Classic, Ollie Silva Classic. And again, that is uh, coming up as we finish up this show. It's coming up tonight. Uh, so we hope to um, have some audio from there. If somebody from Isma would... Uh, Take the time to get us uh, the winter view or get us uh, top three, uh, preferably, so we can air them on next week's show. We'd be happy to do that, uh, but we'll try to do our best to um, keep you up to date with what what uh, happened up there and see who we can get from there to uh, be on the program next week. So uh, we've also got, uh, I think it's Star Speedway, has got uh, the small blocks, supers in action, and... Um, Several of our guys actually down there for that, I think. So uh should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh covering all of that on next week's Inside Groove, which will be episode 56. I've got a few choices for where I'm going to go with uh drivers for that, but, uh, you know, there, there have been several of those over the years. Not a large number, but uh, certainly... Uh, a fair number of 56s over the years. So we'll talk about all of that uh, when it comes by. I want to once again thank all of the sponsors uh, who helped make this show possible. Rich Worth, JNS Paving, um, Sean Cathcart and the staff at Skips Fish Fry, and of course, um, Jeff West and IndiePerformanceComposites.com. Be sure to let them all know if you haven't already that you really appreciate them sponsoring the show. Um, we uh it certainly helps for sure um want to thank all of you for listening i hope that uh you are safe and hope that uh, you have a great weekend and a great week next week and we'll talk to you again next friday when episode 56 of inside groove comes by until then i'm tom baker thanks for listening so long you've been listening to inside groove powered by ipc indie creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. 
For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliate, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.